0: chapter sixty three of mr sponge's sporting tour by robert smith surtees this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter sixty three the rising generation the lull that prevailed in the breakfast-room on miss howard's return from the window was speedily interrupted by fresh arrivals before the door the three master baskets in coats and lay-over collars master shutter in a jacket and trousers the two master bulges in woollen overalls with very large hunting-whips master brick in a velveteen shooting-jacket and the two cheeks with their tweed trousers thrust into fiddle-case boots on all sorts of ponies and family horses began pawing and disordering the gravel in front of none such house George Cheek was the head boy at Mr. Latherington's Classical and Commercial Academy, at Flagellation Hall, late the Crown and Sceptre Hotel and Posting House on the Bankston Road, where, for forty pounds a year, eighty young gentlemen were fitted for the pulpit, the senate, the bar, the counting-house, or anything else their fond parents fancied them fit for. George was a tall stripling, out at the elbows, in at the knees, with his red-knuckled hands thrust a long way through his tight coat. He was just of that awkward age when boys fancy themselves men, and men are not prepared to lower themselves to their level. Ladies get on better with them than men. Either the ladies are more tolerant of twaddle, or their discerning eyes see in the gawky youth the germ of future usefulness. George was on capital terms with himself. He was the oracle of Mr. Latherington's school, where he was not only head-boy and head-swell, but a considerable authority on sporting matters. He took in Bell's Life, which he read from beginning to end, and noted its contents, as they say in the city. "'I'll tell you what all these little animals will be wanting,' observed Sir Harry, as he cayenne-peppered a turkey's leg. "'They'll be come for a hunt.' "'Wish they may get it,' observed Captain Seedybuck, adding, "'Why, the ground's as hard as iron.' "'There's a big boy,' observed Miss Howard, eyeing George Cheek through the window. "'Let's have him in, and see what he's got to say for himself,' said Miss Glitters. "'You ask him, then,' rejoined Miss Howard, who didn't care to risk another rub. "'Peter?' "'said Lady Scattercash to the footman, "'who had been loitering about, "'listening to the conversation. "'Peter, go and ask that tall boy "'with the blue neckerchief "'and the ribbon round his hat to come in.' "'Yes, my lady,' replied Peter. "'And the spoonies, and the bulges, "'and the roars, and all the little rascals,' "'added Sir Harry. "'The roars won't come, Sir H,' "'observed Miss Howard soberly. "'Bigger fools they,' replied Sir Harry. Presently Peter returned with a tail, headed by George Cheek, who came striding and slouching up the room, and stuck himself down on Lady Scattercash's right. The small boys squeezed themselves in as they could, one by Captain Seedybuck, another by Captain Bouncy, one by Miss Glitters, a fourth by Miss Howard, and so on. They all fell ravenously upon the provisions. Gobble, gobble, gobble was the order of the day. "'Well, and how often have you been flogged to this half?' asked Lady Scattercash of George Cheek, as she gave him a cup of coffee. Her ladyship hadn't much liking for youths of his age, and would just as soon vex them as not. "'Well, and how often have you been flogged this half?' she asked again, not getting an answer to her first inquiry. "'Not at all?' growled Cheek, reddening up. "'Oh, flogged!' exclaimed Miss Glitters. "'You wouldn't have a young man like him flogged. "'It's only the little boys that get that, is it, Mr. Cheek?' "'To be sure not,' assented the youth. "'Mr. Cheek's a man,' observed Miss Glitters, "'eyeing him archly, as he sat stuffing his mouth with currant loaf, "'plentifully besmeared with raspberry jam. "'He'll be wanting a wife soon,' added she, "'smiling across the table at Captain Seedybuck. "'I question, but he's got one.' observed the captain nor i haven't replied cheek pleased at the imputation then there's a chance for you miss g retorted the captain mrs george cheek would look well on a glazed card with gilt edges what a cub exclaimed miss howard in disgust you're another replied master cheek amidst a roar of laughter from the party "'Well, but you ask your master if you mayn't have a wife next half, and we'll see if we can't arrange matters,' observed Miss Glitters. "'No, I shan't,' replied George, stuffing his mouth full of preserved apricot. "'Why not?' asked Miss Howard. "'Because—because—' because "'I'll have something younger,' replied George. "'Bravo, young Chesterfield,' exclaimed Miss Howard, adding, "'what it is to be thick with Lord John Manners.' "'I'm not—' growled the boy, amidst the mirth of the company. "'Well, but what must we do with these little—?' <coughs> asked Sir Harry, at last rising from the breakfast-table, and looking listlessly round the company for an answer. "'Oh, liquor them well, and send them home to the mammas,' suggested Captain Bouncy. who was all for the drink. "'But they won't take the—' <coughs> replied Sir Harry, holding up a curacao bottle to show how little had disappeared. "'Try them with cherry brandy.' suggested captain seedybuck adding it's sweeter now young man continued he addressing george cheek as he poured him out a wine-glassful this is the real daffy's elixir that you read of in the papers it's the finest compound that ever was known it will make your hair curl your whiskers grow and you a man before your mother no no i don't want any more growled the young gentleman, turning away in disgust. "'I won't drink any more.' "'Well, but be sociable,' observed Miss Howard, helping herself to a glass. No I, "'No, I don't want to be sociable,' growled he, diving into his trouser pockets and wriggling about on his chair. "'Well, then, what will you do?' asked Miss Howard. "'Hunt,' replied the youth. "'Hunt?' exclaimed Bob Spangles. "'Why, the ground's as hard as bricks.' no it's not replied the youth what a whelp exclaimed miss howard rising from the table in disgust my uncle jellyboy wouldn't let such a frost stop him i know observed the boy who's your uncle jellyboy asked miss glitters he's a farmer and keeps a few harriers at scatley observed bob spangles sotto voce and is that your extraordinary horse with all the legs asked miss howard putting her glass to her eye and scrutinising a lank woolly-coated weed getting led about by a blue-aproned gardener. "'Is that your extraordinary horse with all the legs?' repeated she, following the animal about with her glass. "'Oots, it hasn't got more legs than other people's,' growled George. "'It's got ten at all events,' replied Miss Howard, to the astonishment of the juveniles. Or it hasn't,' replied George. "'Yes, it has,' rejoined the lady. "'Nor it hasn't,' repeated George. "'Come and see,' said the lady, adding, "'perhaps it's put out some since you got off.' George slouched up to where she stood at the window. "'Now,' said he as the gardener turned the horse round, and he saw it had but four, "'how many has it?' Ten, replied Miss Howard. "Oats," replied George. "'You think it's April Fool's Day, I dare say.' No, "'I don't,' replied Miss Howard.' but i maintain your horse has ten legs see now continued she what do you call these coming here it's two four legs replied george well two fours twice fours eight eh and his two hind ones make ten Oats," growled george amidst the mirth of his comrades you're making a fool of one well but what must i do with all these little creatures asked sir harry again seeing the plot still thickening outside "'Turn them out a bagman,' suggested Mr. Sponge, in an undertone, adding, "'Watchorn has a 3 legged un I know, in the hayloft.' "'Oh, watchorn wouldn't on a day such as this,' replied Sir Harry. "'New Year's Day, too. Most likely away, seeing his young hounds at walk.' "'We might see at all events,' observed Mr. Sponge. "'Well,' assented Sir Harry, ringing the bell, "'Peter,' said he, as the servant answered the summons i wish you would to mr watchorn's and ask you will have the kindness to down here sir harry was obliged to be polite for watchorn too was on the free list as miss glitters called it yes sir harry replied peter leaving the room presently peter's white legs were seen wending their way among the laurels and the evergreens in the direction of mr watchorn's house he having a house and grass for six cows all whose milk he declared went to the puppies and young hounds. Luckily, or unluckily, perhaps, Mr. Watchorn was at home, and was in the act of shaving as Peter entered. He was a square-built, dark-faced, dark-haired, good-looking, ill-looking fellow, who cultivated his face on the four-course system of husbandry. First he had a bare fallow, we mean a clean shave, that, of course, was followed by a full crop of hair all over, except on his upper lip. Then he had a soldier's shave, off by the ear, which in turn was followed by a new frill. The latter was his present style. He had now no whiskers, but an immense protuberance of bristly black hair, rising like a wave above his kerchief. Though he cared no more about hunting than his master, he was very fond of his red coat, which he wore on all occasions, substituting a hat for a cap when off-duty, as he called it. Having attired himself in his best scarlet, of which he claimed three a year, one for wet days, one for dry days, another for high days, very natty kerseymere shorts and gaiters with a small striped standing collar, toil net waistcoat. he proceeded to obey the summons. watch on said Sir Harry, as the important gentleman appeared at the breakfast-room door. Watch on these young <coughs> gentlemen want a <to coughs> hunt, oh, want must be their master, sir Harry replied watchorn with a broad grin on his flushed face for he had been drinking all night and was half drunk then can't you manage it asked sir harry mildly how's it possible sir harry asked the huntsman how's it possible no man's fonder of hunting than i am but to turn out on such a day as this would be a daring a desperate violation of all the laws of registered propriety the pope's bulk would be nothing to it how so asked sir harry puzzled with the jumble how so repeated Watchhorn. how so why in the first place it's a mortal hard frost harder nor higher'n in the second place i got no arrangements made you can't turn out a pack of high-bred foxhounds as you would a lot of staggers or muggers and in the third place you'll knock all your nags to bits and they are a deal better in their wind than they are on their legs as it is no terary no continued he slowly and thoughtfully no sir harry no be cardinal wiseman for once sir harry be cardinal wiseman for once and don't think of it well replied sir harry looking at george cheek i suppose there's no help for it it was quite a thaw where i came from observed cheek half to sir harry and half to the huntsman deed sir deed replied mr watchorn with a chuck of his fringed chin it generally is a thaw everywhere, but where the hounds meet. My Uncle Jolly Boy wouldn't be stopped by such a frost as this, observed Cheek. "Deed, sir, deed, replied Watchorn. Your Uncle Jolly Boy is a very fine fellow, I dare say very fine fellow. No such conjurers in these parts as he is. What man dare, I dare. He who dares more is no man, added Watchorn, giving his fat thigh a hearty slap. Well done, O Tallyho! exclaimed Miss Glitters. "'We'll have you on the stage next.' "'What will you wet your whistle with after your fine speech?' asked Lady Scattercash. "'Take a tumbler of chomp in, if there is any,' replied Watchorn, looking about for a long-necked bottle. "'Fear you'll come on badly,' observed Captain Seedebuck, holding up an empty one, "'for Bouncy and I have just finished the last.' The captain chucking the bottle sideways on to the floor, and rolling it towards its companion in the corner. "'Have a fresh bottle,' suggested Lady Scattercash, drawing the bell-string at her chair. "'Champagne,' said her ladyship, as the footman answered the summons. Two on em,' exclaimed Captain Bouncy. Three shouted Sir Harry. "'We'll have a regular set, too,' observed Miss Howard, who was fond of champagne. "'New Year's Day,' replied Bouncy, "'and ought to be properly observed.' Presently, fizz, pop, bang, fizz, pop, bang, went the bottles, and as the hissing beverage foamed over the bottlenecks, glasses were sought and held out to catch the creaming contents. "'Here's a happy New Year to us all!' exclaimed Sir Harry, drinking off his wine. "'Hooray!' exclaimed the company in irregular order, as they drank off theirs. "'We'll drink Mr. Watchhorn and the Nonsuch Hounds.' exclaimed bob spangles as watchorn having drained off his tumbler replaced it on the sideboard with all the odours exclaimed captain cutitfat filling his glass and rising to give the time watchorn your good health watchorn your good health sounded from all parts which watchorn kept acknowledging and looking about for the means to return the compliment his friends being more intent upon drinking his health than upon supplying him with wine at last he caught the third of a bottle of jumpin and emptying it into his tumbler held it up while he thus addressed them gentlemen all said he i thank you most particularly for this mark of your attention applause it's most gratifying to my feelings to be thus remembered applause i could say a great deal more but the liquor won't wait so saying he drained off his glass while the wine effervesced well and what sh- "'Of the weather now?' asked Sir Harry, as his huntsman again deposited his tumbler on the sideboard. "'Pardon my soul, Sir Harry,' replied Watchorn, quite briskly. "'I really think we might hunt. We might try at all events. The day seems changed, so I'll, added he, staring vacantly out of the window on the bright sunny landscape, with the leafless trees dancing before his eyes. "'I think so,' said Sir Harry. "'What do you think, Mr. Sponge?' "'added he, appealing to our hero. "'Half an hour may make a great difference,' observed Mr. Sponge. "'The sun will then be at its best.' "'We'll try at all events,' observed Sir Harry. "'That's right,' exclaimed George Cheek, waving a scarlet bandana over his head. "'I shall expect you to ride up to the hounds, young gent,' observed Watchorn, darting an angry look at the speaker. "'Won't I, old boy?' exclaimed George. "'Ride over you if you don't get out the way.' indeed sneered the huntsman whisking about to leave the room muttering as he passed behind the large indian screen at the door something about jawing jackanapes well called cheek Hunt in half an hour exclaimed watchorn from the steps of the front door an announcement that was received by the little roars and the little spoonies and the little baskets and the little bulges and the little bricks and little others with rapturous applause all was now commotion and hurry-scurry inside and out. Glasses were drained, lips wiped, and napkins thrown hastily away, while ladies and gentlemen began grouping and talking about hats and habits and what they should ride. "'You go with me, Orlando,' said Lady Scattercash to our friend Bugles, recollecting the quantity of diachylon plaster it had taken to repair the damage of his former equestrian performance. You go with me, Orlando, said she, in the Fairton, and I'll lend Lucy, nodding towards Miss Glitters, my habit and horse. Who can lend me a coat? asked Captain Seedybuck, examining the skirts of a much frayed invisible green surtout. A coat? replied Captain Quad. I can lend you a joinville, if that will do as well. The captain feeling his own extensive one as he spoke. Hardly, said Seedybuck. Turning about to ask Sir Harry. What? You're going to give Watchhorn a tussle, are you? asked Captain Cuttit Fat of George Cheek, as the latter began adjusting the fox tooth ribbon about his hat. I believe you, replied George, with a knowing jerk of his head, adding, It won't take much to beat him. What? He's a slow one, is he? asked Cutit Fat in an undertone. Slowest coach I ever saw, growled George. Won't ride, won't he? asked the captain. "'Not if he can help it,' replied George, adding, "'but he's such a shocking huntsman. Never saw such a huntsman in all my life.' George's experience lay between his uncle Jellyboy, who rode eighteen stone and a half, Tom Scramble, the pedestrian huntsman, of the Slowfoot Hounds near Mr. Latherington's, and Mr. Watchorn. But critics, especially hunting ones, are already made, as Lord Byron said. "'Well, we'd better disperse and get ready.' observed Bob Spangles, making for the door, whereupon the tide of population flowed that way, and the room was presently cleared. George Cheek and the juveniles then returned to their friends in the front, and George got up pony-races among the Johnny Roars, the baskets, the bulges, and the spoonies, thrice round the carriage-ring, and a distance, to the detriment of the gravel and the discomfiture of the flower-bed in the centre. End of chapter 63